0: Hey, what's up, friends, Grant Baldwin here. Today, I am delighted to have you listening to episode 449 of the Speaker Lab podcast. And today we're gonna to be chatting with my good friend, Amy Porterfield. Now, Amy left her corporate job to start a business helping entrepreneurs leverage email, social media, other forms of online marketing. And the real core of her expertise really comes down to building your email list through strategic lead magnets. This is such a powerful way to expand your brand and streams of income. And unfortunately, it's an area where many speakers just aren't realizing their full potential. So even if you're not currently Currently speaking to the same people who might buy other products that you create now or in the future, building an email list can and should be part of your marketing efforts. This is an especially fun conversation for me to, to have on the show because Amy does not particularly enjoy speaking, uh, one could say that she has kind of a love-hate relationship. We're going to talk about that today. And so if you're excited about the incredible opportunity speaking has to offer, but you don't actually love the speaker lifestyle, listen, Amy is right there with you. And so today you're going to learn about why she feels the way that she does, how she decides which gigs she takes on, given these feelings. And even if you do love everything about speaking, this process of discerning which speaking engagements are right for you, deciding how many to take can be a real challenge at any stage. Stage of your speaking career. Now, with that in mind, Amy and I are going to talk through uh, how to do your research, ask questions of your potential clients so that you end up only taking the opportunities that put you in front of the right people at the right time. Amy is uh, incredibly generous with the knowledge that she shares in this episode, especially when it comes to building an impactful online marketing strategy. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with my good friend, Amy Porterfield. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speak a Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. I'm excited about today's episode, chatting with my good friend, Amy Porterfield. Amy, are you ready for this?
1: Oh my gosh, you talk so fast. I was like, what is he just saying? What just happened? Now I'm so nervous.
0: Now we, uh, do I talk to, like we've hung out a couple times in person recently. You talk
1: so much slower in real life. Like what just happened?
0: Now my wife swears. I don't know about you. Do you have this? Where like you have like normal person voice, and then you have oh, speaker voice. Do you have that? A million
1: percent. And my husband Hobie makes fun of me all the time. So yes.
0: Now uh, Hobie and I uh, have something in common, as yes, you may we recall. Do. Yes, we do. share a birthday, which and makes so, you like, both
1: extra special.
0: It is. It is. We're two of the special men in your life. Uh, all right. So for people who aren't familiar with you, give us a snapshot. First of all, kind of like, what is your business? What all is it that, that you do that you have your hands in?
1: I always say that I am an ex-corporate girl turned accidental entrepreneur. I didn't really seek out entrepreneurship, but it kind of found me. And so when I left my last corporate job with Tony Robbins, I ventured out to start my own business 14 years ago. And if you fast forward those 14 years, what I'm best known for is helping people build businesses online online, but specifically how to take your knowledge, know-how, and skill set and turn that into a profitable digital course. And what comes with that is helping people grow email lists because I believe your email list is the most important asset in your business.
0: Okay. Very nice. That's so polished, so eloquent. Very <laughs> nice. Now, uh, as as I think even before we met, anytime that I've known about you, I know that you've kind of been like Publicly, kind of anti-speaking, but you still speak. It's kind of fit into your business. Yeah. We were just talking a little bit a second ago before we hit record here. You've been doing some speaking lately, so I mm-hmm. got some stuff coming up here in the next couple of months. How do you kind of it seems like you have this like love hate relationship with speaking? So how does speaking do. fit into your business today?
1: Okay, so I do have a love hate relationship with speaking, and where it fits in is that. I believe it's necessary and it's important and it's a skill that I want to perfect and strengthen for sure. The reason for that is if I could do really well on stage, in person, in front of an audience, I could kill it on my videos and on my webinars and the things that I feel like are a whole lot easier than getting on stage and speaking. And so right now I'm speaking a lot because uh, I did uh, a book launch and some people did some book buys in exchange for a fee Uh, I did the book by, and then I get on stage for them. So I'm kind of making the circuit right now. Um, But I want to tell you why I have a love hate relationship. Can I tell you? Please. Okay. So I love it because I do believe it is incredibly powerful to help you build your business and to build your brand. And I love the fact that I'm getting out in front of new people that would not have known me. I love that I could spread my message in that way, connect with people in real life. All that is very powerful. What I don't like is I get on stage and I'm looking out in the audience and I see like blank stares. Now it wouldn't be normal for someone the whole time. If you can't see me, I'm smiling really big to be like, the whole time, like this huge smile on their face. But when they've got those blank stares, like when I'm not talking about something funny, so no one's laughing, I kind of freak out in my head and think they hate this. And so I really kind of struggle internally when I'm on stage, but at the same time I step off stage and I'm like, why don't I do more of this? I love it. So again, love, hate.
0: (laughs) So why don't you do more of it? If you enjoy it,
1: I don't think it is as profitable as other things I can do in my business. So I can do a launch. I I do live launches and evergreen launches, and that is incredibly more profitable for me than spending the time away from my family, getting on a plane, speaking on stage and coming home. Let's say it's two or three days, Mm -hmm. um, and I could definitely make a bigger impact doing what I do online.
0: Did you do more speaking earlier on in your business? I
1: think I did. Yeah. For a while, I I was doing a lot more speaking. And the thing is, I haven't really focused on my fees. So I probably could charge more and put together kind of like, this is what my package is and this is what I offer. So it could be more lucrative, but I haven't spent a lot of time. I don't have a speaking agent or anything like that.
0: And so my assumption is that you've got a lot of inbound requests that come in. So how are you, sounds like some of the stuff they're doing right now is stuff that it's obligations connected to the book, but, you know, put that aside for a second. And as, as, um, inquiries are coming in and requests are coming in, how are you kind of filtering those? Like, what are the criteria you're looking for that would say like, all right, this makes sense. And that one doesn't make sense because you're exactly right where, uh, for some people and certainly in your situation where, It's like, I could go do a speaking engagement that requires a lot more time and effort and energy. It's fun. Or from just a a purely financial standpoint, I could just do a webinar and stay in my pajamas and make significantly more and make a bigger impact. Again, part of that's due to, you know, the size of your audience. So how do you kind of weigh which opportunities make sense versus which don't?
1: So what I've been saying to, let's take the book off the table. What I've been saying yes to more and more is that if that audience is aligned with what i do. So if i'm speaking to an audience that wants to grow their email list or wants to create digital courses or they want to leave their 9 to 5 and start an online business, they are my audience. And i really do speaking think speaking is a way to grow my audience because i've been in many audiences where someone gets on stage and if i wasn't in proximity with them, i probably would have never noticed them, but they were so good on stage, i loved their message and i instantly started following them. And I feel like I have a better connection with them than if I would have seen them in a webinar online. So that part, if it's my audience, I do think it's worth it. So if, if I could get paid what I want to get paid, it is my audience. And if I have an opportunity to do some kind of lead magnet opportunity from stage, that's really valuable for me as well, because I'm all about list building. The mistake I've made over and over again, like you would think I'd learn the first or second time, but I bet this is a mistake I've made five times. I haven't asked enough questions in the beginning. And then I get on stage and realize this is not my audience. And then I'm frustrated that I took all this time and I flew here and I did all this. No money in the world is worth it to me if I'm in front of the wrong audience over and over again. So I'm teaching myself to slow down and ask the right type of questions first.
0: What are those type of questions that would help you to determine it? Because it sounds like some of it is, uh, I'm not realizing this until I'm Are you finding out like when you're on stage and you're like in the moment and you're like quickly trying to pivot material?
1: No, thank God. I'm finding out the contract's already signed, the money's been exchanged. Now I'm working on the presentation. I'm asking questions now and realizing this is not my audience. It just happened to me not too long ago. And so what I need to do before I say yes is number one, tell me about your audience. Where are they on the entrepreneurial track? Are they beginners, more advanced? Um, what are they looking to do? What is the goal of this event? What are you selling at this event? How do people find you? Like, why are they in your world? All of that would absolutely help me understand if this audience would eventually want to become part of my community and learn from me. And so those are the questions that I tend to ask too late and then realize, oh my gosh, this audience is absolutely not a good fit for me.
0: Do you think that that the amount of speaking that you're doing or not doing has been as impacted by just kind of the stage of life that you're in and do you see yourself doing any more speaking in the future?
1: I act that's such a great question. Yes, it's stage of life. So, I just hired a CEO. She she was promoted, you know this because you and I get together. Well, we try to get together with you me and Brian Harris once a month, right? So we try to do that.
0: You're Um, way too busy. Let's just call that out because
1: it's been a couple
0: months. I was texting with Brian before this.
1: Someone's been to a Taylor Swift concert. Someone's life is so, so busy right now. But anyway. It's good
0: to have you here. I'm glad we invited (laughs) you on my show. My goodness.
1: Okay. I'll be nicer, but you are very busy. However, um, wait, what were we just saying?
0: Uh, Stage of life.
1: Stage of life. So... Uh I just launched this book so things were really busy there but then I hired the CEO that I promoted from within and she's taken a lot of responsibility of the day to day and I find myself being able to be expansive in different ways I absolutely see myself speaking more and getting paid what I want to get paid like actually taking it seriously and putting something together like that because I do have more time now and so I think I I'll start doing speaking even more
0: What's an ideal Amount for you? Because it sounds like in the past couple of years, you're doing you know, five to 10 a year or so. Yeah. And it's going to be different for everybody. There's not a right or wrong answer. You know, for some people, five seems like way too many. And some people are like, I can do five in a week. So what's what do you feel like is right? And how are you kind of determining that? Because it's a challenge for a lot of speakers of going, like, I don't know how many I want to do because I don't I don't know what 50 feels like, and I don't yes. know what 20 feels like. So how are you kind of thinking about that in terms of adding some in, but making sure that it's not taking away from the core business?
1: I would like to do one every other month. I don't like to travel a lot for my business. I mean, I'm definitely a different type of person in the sense that I don't like to travel a lot. I am an introvert. If you put me on the couch with Hobie and Scout and I get to watch Law & Order reruns, I'm really a happy girl. So I I like to be in my space and at home. So every other month, if I went and traveled for a few days and got paid, like I, I don't even know what I want to get paid, but if it was like the right amount, I have to think about that. And I felt really good about it. That would be great. So every other month.
0: Okay. All right. Does, uh, does Hobie ever travel with you?
1: He used to a lot. And I went through a period of time when you talk about seasons where I thought, I don't want to do this if Hobie's not with me. And so he used to travel to these. And what happens is Hobie's not in the business and he's a retired firefighter. Doesn't really know anything about online marketing, except all the things that I tell him. Actually, if you ask him a conversion, a good conversion rate for a webinar, he will be able to tell you because I've talked about it so much, but he's not in the business and he doesn't like to talk shop. And so when I bring him to these things, I get more nervous than him because I'm always trying to protect him or I know he doesn't really love networking at the level I do. And so I just stop taking him. So no, he doesn't travel with me anymore.
0: Cramping your style.
1: Yeah,
0: he is. Uh, Okay, let's shift gears for a second because again, a core thing that you do is teach about list building, course creation, building an audience. And that's, you know, so much of being a speaker is that you are a hired gun and you go in and you speak and that's kind of the end of the transaction. So I remember early on in my career, I had a a friend tell me that speaking is a high paying manual labor job Mm. and that you get paid really well to speak, but then you, you show up, you speak, you go home and that's it. And so you're just kind of like, one gig to the next, to the next, to the next, unless you're doing something intentional to build an audience, to build a list. And so let's kind of talk about that for a second in terms of like, what can speakers be doing to build an audience, to build a list, to take an in-person on stage experience and to transfer that to something that can be a continued ongoing conversation?
1: You know, you know, Stu McLaren, right? He does Mm -hmm, membership sites. We always say that memberships and courses go together like peanut butter and chocolate because they just work together and speaking to you now and getting to know you even more. I think speaking and courses go together just as well, because if you're on stage and people want to then do business with you and they want to continue this experience with you, having a course for them when they go visit your site and diving deeper could be an incredible thing. And so with that, having an email list first so that you can sell these people that have now found you from speaking is incredibly important. So I think every speaker should be growing their email list. But I wanted to mention the courses because sometimes speakers will say to me, okay, I'm growing my email list, but what do I have to offer them? And that's why having a course is such a great thing because courses are almost like one and done. You can create it and then evergreen sell it over and over and over again. So it's available anytime you get on stage. So I think the two go hand in hand really well. So when it comes to your email list, number one, if you have the permission, and I think it's important to ask permission to talk about a lead magnet from stage I think that is so valuable. I love that. I walk away with so many new email addresses when I can do that. And so finding a way to weave in a really aligned lead magnet, a cheat sheet, a checklist, a guide, It might be a 10-minute audio. It might be a quick video or just a PDF. Such a great idea to weave that into your talk, not just wait till the end, but even somewhere in the middle where it makes sense and tell them where to go and then mention it again at the end. That always works really well for me. So I love a good lead magnet, but you don't need to just use it for when you're on stage. So that means you're talking about it on social. You're posting it in your bios. You're maybe making an Instagram reel about this lead magnet or getting online on Facebook, whatever it might be, but the secret to lead magnets is that you can't just build it and they will come, but instead you build it and then you talk about it over and over and over again. Every single week, you should be talking about some kind of freebie you have and telling people where to go get it.
0: Now, whenever it comes to the lead magnet, especially as it connects to speaking, what's working for you right now? Uh, So meaning like you've done some recent gigs, Mm -hmm. walk us through not only what the lead magnet is, but are you doing a uh, a text this word to this number to opt in? Are you doing a QR code? Are you doing a just pass your business card forward? Like what's the process like for you and any tools that you're using?
1: I've really done them all. But the one that I personally like the best would be the QR code. I think it's Mm -hmm. so easy. Everyone has their phones right there. You've got to give them a moment to take advantage of it. But a QR code could be a little bit weird in the middle of a presentation. And so what I've done is in the middle of a presentation, when I have a freebie, I'll just give a URL and just say, write it down, we can go back to it later. But I just want them to hear about it early. And then when I get to the end, I have a QR code and they could just take a snapshot real fast and go grab it, especially because now my presentation is over and they're not looking at their phones while I'm still trying to teach them and whatever it is that I'm talking about. So I like both. And for me, the one that I've used is just like a five-step strategy to get started with your very first digital course. So if I'm talking about courses in some way, that lead magnets going to be aligned with that. But there's many talks that I do that have nothing to do with digital courses. And so I always have to find a lead magnet that fully aligns with the conversation.
0: Now, uh, knowing you, I know that like you do a lot of testing to figure out, okay, Mm -hmm. let's try this lead magnet versus Mm -hmm. that one. And this PDF versus this audio versus, you know, whatever. Um, and so how much are you tracking that? How much for, especially like a a newer speaker who's going like, okay, I've just heard about lead magnet. And so uh, like, how many do I need to create? Am I just trying to make my best guess on the first one? How do I even determine and figure out like, what should that lead magnet be? What what do you teach for that?
1: Okay. So first of all, I teach the golden question and the golden question is what does this audience need to know be aware of understand or believe before they're ever ready to spend any money with me and so even if you don't have anything to sell just yet think about where are they right now and how could you meet them where they're at with the solution to a challenge they're having so I'm gonna say it one more time what do they need to know believe understand or just really like um start to explore before they're ever ready to spend any money with you that is when you answer that question, that is your lead magnet. And when you're doing when you're just starting out, anyone listening that does not have an email list yet, you want to start out simple. So you're doing a PDF, you're doing a checklist, a cheat sheet, a guide, a simple blueprint. And you're not sending them down a rabbit hole. So I don't want any 50-page ebooks as your freebie. They go, they start to read it, they feel overwhelmed, they feel like it takes too long. They're never coming back saying, okay, what else you got? And that's yeah. the magic question. Your lead magnet should be bite-sized and easy to digest, so they say, what else you got? Oh, I have a digital course that you're going to love. So something really easy, but the best type of lead magnet, the one right now that's working in many industries, is a quiz or an assessment. You create a quiz or an assessment, you're definitely going to get a lot more people signing up because we love to learn more about ourselves. Fill Mm -hmm. out a quiz, you tell me what that means about me, me, me. People love that. So a quiz will go a long way, but it's usually not the first lead magnet you're going to create.
0: Now, a variation of that, that we've had a ton of success with over the past several years um, is a speaking fee calculator. And so we ask people and just say, hey, if you want to, when people ask, you know, how much should I charge as a speaker? The answer is it depends. And there's a lot of variables and factors that go into that. And so what we always do is uh, point them to myspeakerfee.com and they answer, you know, 10 questions and it will spit out a number of what they should be charging. So it's a variation of a quiz, but because people are like, I wonder what my numbers can be. And then they can plug in different variables and it spits out something different, but it's just something simple to give them a reason to opt in and kind of this curiosity factor with a, with a quiz. So whenever it comes to quizzes, QR codes, what, any type of tools that you recommend that you teach that you would uh, point people to?
1: First, I want to say that calculator is genius. Anything like that, where people can plug in their own information and get data from it to make the decision Genius. So you've got one of the best lead magnets out there. So you get a gold star because that is really good. You get a gold star. Did you hear that, everybody? (laughs) Bucket.io and tryinteract.com are two really great sites to look into for assessments or quizzes of some sort.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Let's talk about email lists and courses. It feels like this chicken egg situation. Mm -hmm. Which one do you create first?
1: Absolutely an email list. Whether you want to create courses, memberships, mastermind, group coaching, whatever it is speaking, you've got to have an email list. So let's talk about that for a quick second. Social media is fickle it will come and go, that algorithm is not trustworthy. So Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg decides to change the algorithm, you put all your eggs in one basket, Instagram is killing it for you, boom, that could change overnight. I always tell the story that a few years ago, Instagram and Facebook went out at both the same time. I think it was 2021, totally went black. We couldn't communicate. It was like the world had ended for a few hours. And it just so happened that that morning, I sent an email to a tiny segment of my list telling them about a program I had had for years, but this tiny segment had never purchased it. So I told them about it. It was just a fluke that that email went out that morning that social media went down. By that evening, we had made 17,000 dollars on a low level uh, course that I had created years ago. And it's just proof that I can always count on my list, but I cannot always count on social media. So the best way to use social media is to grow your list, but your list should be your number one most important priority in your business because it will always be able to make you money when you do it right. So first your email list, then courses, memberships, whatever it is you want to create.
0: Now, whenever it comes to building your email list, one thing that's that uh, is interesting is like when it comes to speaking is sometimes the audience that you're speaking to is not necessarily your buyers or who you would want to be building your email list. So for example, when I first started speaking, I did a lot of speaking in the education space where right? I did a lot of speaking to high school students. And so at the end of the day, I may want a principal to be the one that is hiring me to come speak or to you know a teacher to purchase my curriculum. But if I'm talking to a 16 year old student, they're not necessarily my buyer. So there's is that common where you're in that type of situation where as a speaker, who you're talking to is different than who you're actually building a list, uh, who the lead magnet is for and or who the course maybe for.
1: That could be common for some and I'm glad that you brought that up. In that case, let's say you're talking to 16-year-olds and you know you do not want their email addresses. They're not going to buy anything you have, then I would not create a lead magnet. I wouldn't waste your time. I would just wow them with your amazing content and presence. However, that's why an email list is also equally valuable so that you can have an additional stream of revenue. So what you do is online using social media, you're going to start building your email list with the right people. And so when you're not on stage, you still have this asset in your business that can make you money if you put together a course, a membership coaching, whatever it might be. So what I love about having an email list, especially for speakers, is you could look at it as two different streams of income, depending on how you use that list, making it even more powerful. And God forbid something were to happen in and you weren't able, okay, COVID, you weren't able to go out and travel and get on stage and you chose not to do the Zoom calls or whatever it might be, you have this other asset in your business that in the meantime could still be making you money.
0: All right, Amy. Uh, so talk to us uh, again, because you are someone who has the hand on the pulse of the online marketing space. Um, is the podcast still online marketing made easy, simple, easy, easy? Uh, all right. All right. So make it easy for speakers. What are things that speakers should be thinking about? Not just from an email list, from a course standpoint, uh, but what are other things that speakers should be considering adding into their, their, their business as a personal brand?
1: So Grant when you asked me to come on your podcast I was thinking of what speakers can do to supplement their income and I have a really great idea because if you're a speaker I think this is some some place where you would shine. So I recently did a boot camp. And essentially a boot camp is you can make it as long as short as you want but in my case it was about 14 days and I taught people the beginning stages of creating a digital course because that's my expertise. But based on your expertise whatever you're teaching on stage you could create an online bootcamp where people come and over, let's say the next week, you are teaching something of value. And the reason I think this would be great for speakers is one, it's pretty easy to get together, but number two, you're a speaker. You're great on camera. You can shine teaching your content. And a lot of people I work with hate video, hate to get on stage, don't wanna do any of that. So for speakers, this is a home run. So essentially you could do it for free or paid. I like a paid bootcamp, but a really low uh, entry point, like $39 bootcamp. We recently did this with a list building program we have. We invited people into a boot camp. It cost thirty nine dollars. We wowed them for two weeks, and those that want to continue with us at the very end, we offered a five hundred dollars list building program. One point three million dollars later, with this really easy boot camp, we were able to give amazing value to people and get them into my program. And so, the reason I share this is again. If you're a speaker, you'll do great in a boot camp where you're teaching on a regular basis. It's a short period of time. You could do it free or paid, and if you want, you could sell something on the back end. So this is working well. I see a lot of people doing it, and it's something that I would encourage speakers to at least explore if they're looking for a different stream of revenue.
0: So in the boot camp, are those taught? uh live and the course is pre-recorded?
1: Yes, exactly. Live online, you could do it through Zoom, you could do it. I did it in a private Facebook group. I just went live on Facebook just to make it really easy.
0: What uh what's the difference in content?
1: Great question. So in my case, I was teaching, I've done it for list building and digital course creation, but for the list building one, I was just teaching the basics of how to get started. And then once they know how to get started, again, I met them where they're at. I knew what they were thinking, what they needed to know, where they were stuck. And I taught just the basics of how to get started. And I did a lot of Q and a to, to be there and add value for them in that way. And then the course goes a lot deeper in all the different levels you can do to grow an email list.
0: Now one thing you touched on earlier is that you have built a very significant social presence. This is something you and I have talked a little bit about uh, mm-hmm. offline or anything because uh, I personally care less about social. It's been I a big part of your that business not you but it's been a big part of your world so how yeah. do you it seems like social is also one of those things that you and you know a lot of online people and, and a lot of speakers especially kind of have this love hate relationship. So how do you think about social and how it fits into your business and how speakers should be considering it?
1: So I, again, have a love-hate relationship. There's a lot I love for there the records, is. There's a lot of
0: things that you love and hate.
1: That's true. It's true. So love-hate relationship with social media because it, you know, getting on camera and doing, I'm not going to do dances. I'm not going to point to all the different things. I'm not going to do the silly stuff that a but lot of people- But you have. I- you were not supposed to say that. You're, that was a secret. I was like,
0: I feel like I, was, I saw a video one time of you pointing. I was like, oh, she's gone to the pointing.
1: videos, but here's, here's the reason I say I'm not going to. Then I realized at one point, I'm never doing social if I keep doing the things that I hate. Yeah. So now I've got a social media manager, and I told her, these are the things I'll do. These are the things I will not do. Now I feel like, okay, I can own my own space, but yes, I don't know if there's dancing videos, but there's definitely pointing videos in the past. Thanks a lot, Grant. Thanks a lot. Is
0: there like the swipe away? You know <laughs> I, those type. There's probably they're probably out there.
1: They're probably all right. All right. Let's just move That's okay. on. That's so. Okay. Yeah, So with social, I use it as a way to connect with my audience and share things like behind the scenes or things that they might not get to see anywhere else with me. I started to use it in more general areas. And then from there, once they get into my world, we use email marketing to really hone in on the things they're most interested about that relate to the solutions that I solve or the challenges that I solve. So I, I love social media for that connection. And it is a place that you can grab people's attention much quicker than anywhere else. But it's fickle, like I said. And that's why it's not my end all be all.
0: All right. Let's shift gears one more time. Um, when uh, recently you came out with a book, um, yes. two, two Weeks, weeks Notice. I happen to have a copy here. Yeah, you I get your copy. I have a too. Hey, we, got, we got the two copies. There <laughs> it are. Tell right. us about the book and uh, who's the book for?
1: So the book is for anyone that is still in a nine-to-five job, but you dream about doing something on your own, specifically, maybe you want to be a full-time speaker. That's how you want to make your money. And you know that working at this nine-to-five job is going to hold you back. So I built an entire runway of how to leave a nine-to-five job with integrity and with a plan. And the day you leave, you've already mapped out how you're going to build your business. And it's not just about courses. It could be a speaker business, a coaching business, whatever it might be, but how to build a business online and all the things that come with it, list building content creation, building out your funnels. I talk all about it in the book.
0: Very good. Very good. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where else can we go?
1: I have a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. That's the best place to start with lots of free content there. So go check it out.
0: Awesome. Amy, now listen, for people that follow Amy, I followed your stuff for a while, and I've had to, uh, we've got to hang out a couple times lately. And like, this is a quality, quality human being who really, really knows her crap. So go follow her, go buy the book, go support her. Amy, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks, friend. Hi, friend, are you ready to get serious about taking your speaking business to the next level? Maybe you are someone who is looking for ways to book more paid gigs, or maybe you're trying to figure out all the different things that go into building a successful speaking business. Or perhaps you are an experienced speaker who wants to scale your speaking business to multiple six figures. If that's you, I'd encourage you to visit thespeakerlab.com slash call. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash call and book a free, no obligation call with our team. And if you're not quite ready to take that leap, I don't want you to hesitate in checking out all the free resources that we have available to you on our website, including this podcast. So head over to thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Find hundreds of blog posts, how-to guides, podcast episodes, email scripts, proposal templates, and so much more. Finally, I got a big favor. I would love for you to leave us a rating or review for this podcast. We read every single one and it also helps other speakers find valuable free resources that they can use to build their own speaking careers. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.